Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So you guys give a warm Bethel Atlanta welcome to our own Lake Healy. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right, how are we doing tonight? Good, good. We are doing woo. <laughs> All right. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you guys about sin. All right, this side of the room was a lot more excited than this side. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Now, this is one of those subjects that I think we we all have a lot of a different, uh, a lot of different background, a lot of different perspective, a lot of different history, and receive a lot of different kinds of teaching on this subject. And so, I I want to start by giving you a little bit of a framework, a little bit of a at least my background, some just because I think it's really important in and where I want to go with this, because I think this is one of those areas that, in my opinion, we've gotten a lot of a wrong framework, one that has a lot of condemnation associated with it. And so um, I first want to tell you just a little bit about me, and if you're, if you're new here, this might be fresh to you. For most of you who've been around, you're, you're aware of this. But uh, So I've um, seen in the spirit, I've seen angels, demons, and other spiritual things for as long as I can remember since I was a little kid, and I see them not so differently from the way that I'm seeing all of you right now. Um, If you didn't know that, surprise. (laughs) If if you did know that, that's probably the fifth time you've heard me say that phrase, so that's great too. Um, And to just give you a little bit of a framework of this, I I took the liberty of jotting down a few things that I saw in worship, and I wanted to share those real quick with you. Is that okay? Cool. Cool. Uh, so right when worship was starting, it was really cool. Like, um, right when we got started, I just saw all of this oil just gush into the room. And it just came in real thick. It's like if you've ever seen, like, video, ever been in, like, a, a whitewater rapids, you know, how, like, just, brrr, just rolls up. And it was like that, uh, where this oil just rolled into the room, and it coated everyone from head to toe. Like, everyone was completely had oil all over them from head to toe. And... It was, it was neat, and as I looked around the room, everyone was worshiping differently, you know, and I'm not going to mimic anyone to make anyone feel embarrassed, but, you know, we all have a little bit of a different style that we worship, you know, some of us just do this, you know, some of us, you know, go after it and do the windmills and everything, and I'll, I'll leave the invitations to that, but um, the, the cool thing was, like, any part of anyone's body that they started moving in worship just caught on fire, like the, the oil there that was coating them caught on fire. And for some of us, it was just a little bit, like it was just like a hand or it was just, just our head as it was bobbing around or whatever else. But it wasn't, it didn't feel like, oh, some are more in, some are less in. It didn't feel like that at all. It actually felt to me like, man, anything I do right now is worship. <laughs> Any, like just from a little movement of the hand to, to just a little, just a step back and forth, whatever it is, it was worship, and it was being, it was catching on fire. You know, it's like anything caught on fire because it was coated in oil. The other cool thing is that as everyone was moving, like we'd move a little bit closer to each other and further away, and as we did, like if, if someone was moving their hands this way, they'd be on fire, but then they'd bump into this person's arm, and their arm would catch on fire, and then this part would catch on fire until bit by bit, just naturally, every single person was covered in flames from head to toe. And again, it was just this picture of worship just going up. And, and it, it, I don't know, it was just cool to me because it felt like even though we were all engaging in different ways, we all got the full benefit of everyone's worship, which was cool. And so then it got towards, you know, partway through and the, all the oil burned up and it was just kind of going out, put it out here, there, in different places. And I was kind of like, aw, we <laughs> got like two songs left. What's <laughs> What's going on? So I had that thought, and then as soon as I felt that little little disappointed thought, I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, I want to be the fire for you now. And I saw this wave of fire just come in and fill the room, and that was that point where you kind of felt worship shift into this different flavor and this, this is a different space. And it was just really cool, because so many times in worship, I just see these... Um, 
the, the simplest way to put it would be like a call and response type thing. It's like as we pour out to him, he pours out to us. And it's just a beautiful thing. And then the one, one last thing real quick was um, when Summer, who was, who was standing right here leading, she, uh, when she was worshiping, I just saw, it was interesting, she'd like step back and just start worshiping, and I saw just this love erupting off of her like it was this, this thick red smoke. And it was just billowing all around her, and I saw this angel keep swooping by, like grabbing it and then like pressing it down into like a snowball and just throwing it at people and coming around, getting more, and it was boom, like that. And, all over the place, and it was, it was cool because it was just happening around her. Like, and it, to me, it felt like a just her personally leaning into love for the Lord and love for worship. And then, it, but that that was being without her necessarily having to do something that was being released on other people in the room, which was really cool. And you know, some of you might be disappointed and like, oh, well, what, what, was it, nothing was going on around me or what? And but honestly, that's maybe 1% of what was going on in worship today. I just stopped after that because I wanted to worship myself. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's any, every single person, like the Holy Spirit always responds every single time. And so, you know, that, you know, it actually works perfectly because that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about today. I know, as, as promised, I'm going to talk about sin, so don't, don't you worry. Um, <laughs> But I want to build a context because I, I, I want you to really understand where I'm coming from on this. So, I've, so like I said, I've seen the Spirit my whole life. I've seen good, bad, ugly, and wonderful, everything in between. I've, I've seen people who are oppressed by demons. I've seen people who are so covered in, in emotional wounds that it looked like they had been through a lawnmower and then back again. I've seen people... Um, hurt and hurt other people. I've seen amazing, glorious things. I've seen the love of God. I've seen, I've seen angels. I've seen so much stuff. And what I want to talk about in, in the form of introduction is the saddest thing that I ever see, which I know I'm on a great start. We're, we're talking about sin. We're talking about the saddest thing I ever see. Now, honestly, I, like I said, I see people with wounds. I see people under demonic oppression. I see that kind of stuff. But honestly, that stuff doesn't really bother me that much. It doesn't really bother me that much, mostly because God has a really good answer for all of it. Um, what does bother me a lot and what is the most painful thing that I ever see is when I see the goodness of God released on his people and we don't pick it up. When God releases his goodness to us, and we miss it. And I, I like to phrase it this way, and I, I don't use this word very often, because I, I, I don't always like it, but I, I hate when the goodness of God gets left on the table. When it's presented, when it's served, but it gets left on the table. Just because it, it makes me so sad. And I there's a lot of examples of this, you know, I, I, I'll just touch on this briefly, but I, like, you know, there's lots of examples, but I'll focus on just a few for now. Like, for example, with healing, like around here, we play, pray for supernatural physical healing on people. We pray for it, you know, frequently. And ever since I've been in a culture where we, where we go after that, 100% of the time that I or anyone I've ever met has prayed for someone, I see the healing show up. It shows up every single time. Sometimes, you now it's different every time. Sometimes there's an angel that's holding the healing. Sometimes it's like erupting out of the ground like a well. Sometimes I see it coming out of my own hands like, like oil or fire. It's different every time, but it, every single time it shows up. Now, unfortunately, every single time that I pray or every single time that I release it, I don't, I don't see 100% of the people that I pray for get healed but 100% of the time, it shows up. Now, some of the time, I, I could tell you why. Sometimes I can, I can feel the disbelief. Sometimes I can, I can see it. Sometimes I can see bitterness. I can see other is issues, you know, pushing that stuff back. But sometimes I don't. Sometimes everything looks fine. You know, I'm feeling full of faith, and it, and it just doesn't happen. I have this, this one story. This is one of the most extreme healings I've, I've ever been present for. But uh, I was at a Bill Johnson conference. I was part of the ministry team. We were praying for people. This lady had been in a bus accident. She was a bus driver. She had an older model of bus, so it didn't have safety glass. It had kind of older 
bad glass, and a deer jumped through the window, shattered the windshield, and thousands of pieces of glass went into her face. And so the doctors did the best as they could. They got as much of the glass as they could out, and they had done reconstructive surgery, but there was still a lot of glass in her face that they couldn't get. And even looking at her, like her face looked very puffy, and you could tell the doctors had had to just try to work around, do the best they could to make her look all right. And we're praying for her, I mean a couple other Bethel students, and we, she had her hands out like this, and as we're praying, pieces of glass are falling out of her face and landing in her hands. And I'm watching, and her face is shrinking down until by, by the end of it, she looked completely different. Looked like a completely different person. And so after that one, I'm like, all right, who's next? <laughs> Bring it on, who's next? <laughs> whatever, whatever you got. <laughs> and I, and so I, I walked with this person, they had, they had some back problems. I'm like, oh, this is a piece of cake, you know? I mean, I'm gonna breathe on this one and they're gonna get healed. I mean, this is, this is nothing, you know? This is cakewalk. <laughs> this is the one that, that Paul would have sent a tissue to, you know? It's like, uh, uh, just send a tissue to that one, it's no problem. <laughs> I pray for the person, I'm, I'm feeling full of faith because that happened like five minutes before. That, I can see faith coming out of the person. An angel is standing next to her with a bowl full of healing. I pray, nothing happens. I pray again, nothing happens. I pray a third time, nothing happens. It's like, man, what's the deal? You know, a couple years later, I was ministering at this event. I had a migraine that day, so I had a horrible headache. I, it was one of those, like, a friend of a friend of a friend <laughs> recommended that I be a speaker at this event. So the person who was actually there didn't know me at all and so didn't know, have a context for the kind of things I'd be talking about, which was fun. And... Hi, and so I'm feeling awkward the whole time. I have a terrible headache, and I, at the end, I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking me to pray for healing for people, and I'm like, anything but me talking more, because <laughs> I was feeling terrible, and this guy comes up. He's got a big old back brace on, and he's coming up like, oh, I've had horrible back pain for 17 years. I've had this no number of surgeries, pain pills and everything. Don't even touch it anymore. Like, it just hurts constantly, and I, I'm like, all right, here we go, and I reach my hand forward, and as I'm reaching my hand forward, I think clear as day in my head, this ain't happening. Because <laughs> I, if there's such a thing as like anti-faith, I, I had that going, because man, not feeling it. And so I, but I, I, and so nothing, I have nothing. I reach my hand, I get three inches away from his back, and he goes, whoa, wow, whoa, man, and he leans all the way forward and touches the ground, which I can't even do. He leans <laughs> all the way, like big old back, I mean, this, this was a, a robust fellow as well, and leans all the way back, and leans forward, he's like, whoa, my goodness, what'd you do? And I'm like, I definitely didn't do anything. <laughs> I definitely did not do anything <laughs> to help that at all. <laughs> By your faith, you are healed. <laughs> that, was, that was that one. But, you know, so, so I, I want to be clear. There's a lot of mystery in, in stuff like this. Like, and it's not just with healing. Like, every, every single time I've ever seen anyone pray for financial provision, I watch it show up. It shows up in front of them the moment that they pray. Now, that's not always a check in the mail. That's not always... You know, that, that kind of situation, sometimes I see lines of connection drawn by, to, from person to person in the room. And maybe those are business connections or support connections, depending on the circumstances. I see ideas land in front of people. I see designs land in front of people. I see, I see even like coaching type plans of how people can get their finance together. Everything from the, from the miraculous to things that we would be con maybe consider to be more mundane. But I see those things show up. And we don't always pick them up. And again, sometimes with those, I could tell you why. Maybe it's because we're so fixated on we want a supernatural, we'll bow, check in the mail kind of miracle that we miss the good idea that God gives us, you know? Or we miss the part where we're supposed to practically partner with him in, in maybe changing our spending habits or, or things like that, you know? We miss some of those things because they're too mundane or because that's not supernatural or, or whatever else. But sometimes I couldn't tell you why. Now, I feel like I, I could talk a lot on this subject because it's one that's near and dear to my heart because I, 
I know it is the plan, God's plan that every bit of his glory and goodness is released through us onto the earth. But today what I want to focus on, the reason I want to focus on that scary S word, sin, is, yeah, someone got that, um, is that this is one of the areas that we're in control of whether we receive God's goodness or not. And I want to be very, very, very clear because it's so important that we have the right perspective when we view what, how God thinks about sin. I think a lot of us learned about the way God views sin in the context of, you know, this is just a metaphor, but I think it's helpful. Like, God is this very proper English butler, and we're walking into his house with muddy shoes, you know, and he's just very annoyed that we're tracking mud in the house. He's like, mm, go take a shower or something first, you know. Or, or we think that, uh, you know, God goes in for a hug and like, mm, you're kind of stinky and smelly. Maybe we'll go, you know, hose you off a little bit. And, you know, so we, we get, sometimes get this perspective like God is disgusted or grossed out or doesn't want to be around that ickiness. Does that make sense to anybody? Anyone grow up with that perspective at all a little bit? Don't want to raise your hand for that. I understand. Hmm. <laughs> And it's so funny because we, we, we teach, we understand, like, you know, don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. You know, we, we teach and speak about that kind of thing, but we don't really believe it necessarily. Because if you really stop and think about it, why would perfect love hate anything? Why would goodness itself hate anything? Perfect love would only hate something that got in the way of perfect love. Goodness itself would only hate something that doesn't perpetuate goodness. And I've, I've talked about this before, but we get these ideas about the goodness of God that it's just this like, you know, the, the, the way that broccoli is good and ice cream is not good, you know. We think that God, sometimes we think that God's goodness, especially around the subject of sin, is the like, you know, the eat your vegetables kind of goodness. No, his, his goodness is so much bigger and broader than that. It's not, he hasn't created an arbitrary set of rules and parameters around the way you should live life just so that you could jump through these specific hoops. No, he created a plan to protect his intimacy between you and him. I want to dive into some scripture to, um, or you know, I'm going to tell you one more story just to, again, to create a little bit more of a clear context. Um, this is probably the most depressing scene in the spirit story that I have. So you're welcome. <laughs> and it probably won't bother you as much as it bothered me, but um, this is definitely one of the worst. So I'm at this, uh, I'm at this, uh, missions trip in Tijuana. It's my the end of my first year in my in school of ministry out in Reading, and it was an awesome trip. This was the end of the trip, and it had been a really great breakthrough trip for me. And for the last night in the middle of downtown Tijuana, we get to use this uh, open pavilion area, and we just do street ministry and we play worship music and invite people to come. We pray for miracles, you know, release healing. And it's just a middle of the street, you know, bar, 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 some other kind of place that people are walking into, bar, bar, bar. Um, and uh, so it's, it's in the middle of it. It's the kind of place that Jesus might hang out. And we're out there, and we're ministering to people, and it starts to rain. And this is a, you may have heard this testimony before because it was a really, really cool one. But it starts to rain, and a friend of mine named Bobby Brown gets up on the stage, and he says... And, you know, people are starting to leave because it's raining. It's a big bummer because it's like, oh, we really want to minister to these people. And he, said, he gets up on the mic and he says, you guys want to see a miracle? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Man of great faith. <laughs> oh, no. And he says, we're going to pray for this rain to stop, and it's going to stop. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And he reaches up his hand and he starts praying. And I look in the spirit and I see four angels come up from the stage and go to four corners. And they're holding these rods. And they, as they hold these rods, the rods start to glow red hot. And I, I don't know if they got a picture of it or not because it was kind of dark. But it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. 
over the square where we were hanging out was a perfect square cut out of the clouds. And it was raining all around us, but literally in this perfect square, you know, a shape that clouds don't make, <laughs> there is this opening where it's not raining. And so everyone who is around trying to get out of the rain comes to the stage to hang out with us to get out of the rain, which was awesome. So that happens, so everyone, all the students are like, oh yeah, it's on now, you know, here we go. And I, I, even I was getting a little bit bold like this, you know, we're in the middle of all these bars, so this drunk dude just comes stumbling through, you know, and I feel like I get a prophetic word for him, so I just grab him and I start prophesying to him. And I don't know if he speaks English, and I definitely don't speak Spanish, and so I'm, but I'm just speaking to him, and just telling him what I see, just telling him what, what I feel like the Lord's saying, and, you know, he sobers up. He starts, he goes from, like, just bobbing around to, like, looking me straight in the eyes. And I can just tell he's connecting. And then after I'm done, you know, he doesn't say anything, but he goes to the front of the stage, just stays there the rest of the time and engages with what, what we're doing. So I'm feeling good. That felt awesome. And then I, there was this other guy, and I saw him a couple times before I spoke to him. This guy was also probably drunk out of his mind because he was stumbling around, and also he had a bottle of tequila just hanging out of his coat pocket right here. That was my clue. <laughs> um, and it's a big guy, big beard, and he's stumbling around. And every time I see him, I turn away, not because I'm bothered at all, but because I immediately feel this very, very deep love for this guy. Really deep, really sudden. And it... And it's, it's so deep that it kind of scares me a little bit. And so I turn away. Turn away. I see him three or four times. And on, on the last time, we're kind of five paces away. I turn and I see him and his eyes meet mine. And I feel that deep, deep love. And so I walk up to this guy. And he's still, you know, not. It was weird. It was almost like he was trying to leave, but he kept, like, forgetting which way he was going. <laughs> And so I grab this guy by both of his shoulders, which if you know my personality, is not something I normally do to people. Um, grab this guy by his shoulders, pull him to three inches away from my face. And man, is he drunk, because I'm, I'm probably getting like drunk just by his breath. Because <laughs> it was uh, aromatic. Um, but I, I am feeling these just deep adoration for this guy. I'm seeing his whole history pass before my eyes. And I'm seeing his entire future uh, if, he, if he stays the way that he is. And I'm seeing that it's just going to be the cycle of pain, of hurt, of just self-medicating over and over and over again. And I'm seeing how Jesus is wanting to step in right now and completely alter his path. I'm seeing how a, 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 a revival is going to be birthed out of this person. I'm seeing all of the salvations, all of the healing, all of the blessing, all the revelation is going to be released out of this man. And I'm seeing it more vividly than if it were a real memory that I had experienced. And I'm speaking this into this man. I'm staring him into the eyes. And it, it, it's, it's, come, it's difficult to describe in a moment like this, but it was coming from such a deep place that it felt very vulnerable and scary even saying this. This isn't the perfect comparison, but it does work to a little bit. Like it's because it was a different circumstance, but it almost feels as if like I had had a crush on a girl for like 10 years and this was the moment that I was finally like pouring my heart out. Like obviously it was a different context, but it felt that vulnerable. Like it felt that like, oh man, I'm laying, I'm feeling this for you in a very deep place and I'm scared that you're not gonna receive this, you know? And so I just talked to this guy, I talked to this guy, and I don't know if he speaks English or not, but he's, he's looking at me. And, I, I, and he even tried to like bob away, and I'm like, no, nah, no, no. <laughs> and I keep going, 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 going. And then after a few minutes, I see this thing, and it's, it's this dark, solid thing. It's almost like a motorcycle helmet, but not, not exactly. And it just comes, it's this black thing. I can't even see his face anymore. And so I can, I can focus on seeing the spirit or I can choose to not and you know, kind of turn it off, which is helpful. Um, and so I do that so I can see his face again. And he looks me in the eye and he says, no gracias. And he walks away. And so I just went to the side of the stage and laid down and cried for the rest of the night because, because it hurt. God doesn't hate sin because it grosses him out. 
God hates sin because he hates anything that gets between you and him. Because he cares about, how, I don't know how this works. I don't understand how this happens. I don't understand how the God of the universe can feel this way about someone as small as me. But it hurts him as much as if he had invested years, and as if any of us had invested years and years of hope into a relationship. He has made himself that vulnerable towards us. So I want to come at this from a scriptural perspective because I think that we mishear what God has said to us in some areas. And so if you would, let's just uh, turn to Matthew 7. We're going to go with uh, verse, verse 21. Now, this is one of those great, scary scriptures that, that <laughs> youth pastors use to scare youth kids and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, wanna, I want you guys to hear this from a different perspective. We're, we're going to walk through it. But I want you to hear this from a perspective of someone who is so desperately in love with you that he despises anything that would get in the way of that love. So, chapter 7, verse 21 of Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I want to break this down because I want you to understand what God, what Jesus is really saying here. Because we can, if we have the perspective of, oh, sin is this disgusting, gross thing that if it's on me, then I am also gross and disgusting. It's not Jesus is standing at the door and being like, mm, you're too dirty, please go away. It's not like that. This word kingdom will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This, this, this is a really amazing word. It's not just talking about like where we go after we die. It's talking, it's, it's the same word that's used as the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's something that is then, but it's also something that is for right now. And I love this, this interpretation of it. So it's, it's a word that means a lot, but I love this, this version of it that explains it like this. It says that this word kingdom is the royal power and dignity conferred on Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. It is, it is the authority, the power, and the dignity that comes from being marked as a child of God. It is the experience and the perspective and the, the license that comes with having been adopted into God's family, adopted into his kingdom. So it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, you don't get to come from heaven. It's, it's, you don't get access to this stuff right now. And I, so you, this last part is, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now this word knew, I n- never knew you, is not like, oh, I've never heard of you. This word is a word that's so intimate that it's actually used sometimes as a way of saying like marital relations. And not, not in like a, not in a gross way, but this, this is a, a way of, it's a word that uh, expresses so much intimacy that it can be used that way. Does, it, does that make sense to everybody? And so he's not saying like, I've never heard of you before. He's saying you didn't have deep intimacy with me. It's not about like, oh, I never heard of you. It's about like, I wanted relationship with you. In fact, some, some scholars say that this, um, then I will tell them plainly, that some people believe that the colloquial understanding of that was meant to be translated, and the Passion Translation translates a little bit this way, more in the sense of like, because of what happened, I have to say. Not like, oh, you're gross to me, but like, I want to let you in, but I can't because of this. Does that make sense? 
I will say plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you in a deep, intimate way. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, this, another kind of more literal translation is you who practice lawlessness. Away from me, you who practice lawlessness. And the way that I hear this, this is the Blake Healy version, <laughs> is away from me, you who did not believe that there are any boundaries in this relationship. You know, I married my wife, April, who's sitting right here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it was a very good idea, if I can say so myself. <laughs> and we didn't have this particular phrase in our vows, but this is a phrase that's commonly associated with traditional vows, the uh, forsaking all others. Now, I could say to April that, hey, oh, I love you so much, baby, but I'm going to go ahead and sleep with this person, this person, and this person. But I still love you. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't love you. <laughs> and she'd give me that look. <laughs> Which is, I'm going to punch you in the face and throw you out the window. Um, <laughs> uh, right, rightly so. Um, you know, just because I say that doesn't affect our relationship doesn't mean that doesn't affect our relationship. You know what I mean? <laughs> just because I decide this isn't a boundary that means anything doesn't mean that's a boundary that doesn't mean anything. Love, I would go so far as to say is oftentimes love is defined by the boundaries that we choose to take on. I mean, I, I have four kids. Anyone have kids in here? Some boundaries happen in your life when you have kids. Some limitations to what you can and can't do. If my, my capacity to love them is, is, I choose to put limits on what I do and don't do in my life so that I am capable of showing love to my children. And if I don't do that, I am less capable of showing love to my children. Mathematically even. <laughs> you know, just with my time. In many ways, it's not the full picture of what love is, but, but one of the clearest expressions of love are the boundaries that we choose to take on to protect it. And this changes the perspective on sin so much. It's not this, this like, oh, here are the, here's the rings you have to jump through. Here's the stuff that you have to do. Here's what a nice, proper Christian looks like. No, 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 no. Just, this is what protects our relationship. This is what protects our relationship. And if anyone in here is married, you know or should figure out very quickly that there's, like, you know, the, the sleeping around thing, that's kind of an obvious one. But there's also little things. The way that I talk, like, for example, me and my sister, we like to make sarcastic jokes to each other. Right? We like to call each other names. You know, we've been doing it since we were very little. We have a natural, <laughs> started as kids, you know, just, and... But there's a natural rapport. We both understand what we're doing. It's both in mutual fun, and it's good. April doesn't like that very much. <laughs> I learned that very quickly. <laughs> Before I started dating her, even. Um, <laughs> now, is, are making those kind of jokes with someone who understands and wants to play, like, you know, play that way, is that wrong? No, not at all. Could I be like, oh, you don't get my sense of humor, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, it's a bad idea if I want to be married to her, but, you know. But that, that's the point, is that it's not about whether that's right or wrong. It's, that's a boundary that I am choosing to hold because I want to be close to this person. You know what I mean? That's, that's why I think Jesus, when he came, said, hey, you know, you've heard it said that you shouldn't kill anyone. Well, I'm saying that you shouldn't even have hate in your heart for someone. I think that's why Jesus said, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. Well, I'm saying if you even have lust in your heart for someone that you have already committed it. Because now, this, this is shifting a little bit into my opinion versus what I, you know, live my life by theologically. But this, so everyone, if you could repeat after me, this is Blake's opinion. We all agree on that. Perfect. <laughs> um, I, I don't necessarily think that the acts associated with sin are the part that God is most concerned about. I believe slash think that 
He is more concerned about the thought patterns that'll make, that lead to those actions. Why? Because those thought patterns don't leave as much room for the kingdom as, the, as other mindsets would. <laughs> Guys, I've watched. I saw. I remember I was hanging out with this w- woman. She, I w- she was being prayed for, and she was being prayed for this impartation. And I saw her holding a bowl in her hand and the spirit standing in front of me. I watched the impartation come down and land in the bowl and then fall through the cracks in the bowl that she was holding. She had some unhealthy perspectives on her relationship, the relationship between her and God. And God was not removing his presence from her. She was, however, incapable of holding what God was releasing onto her. And that's, if you don't get anything else, that's what I want you to get tonight. God is not going to remove his grace from you or his love from you or his out, the outpouring of his goodness from you because you did this, because you did that. But it will affect your ability to experience it and make it a normal part of your life. <laughs> and, and that's why he hates it. I know that word hate is strong, and I know that scares everyone away, and we want to, like, run away from that idea. But it, it, we have to lean into it because he doesn't hate it because he hates this or he hates that. He hates it because he hates anything that gets in between you and him. Anything. Now, the amazing thing is, you know, this can feel dire. This can feel like, oh, man, now that I think about it, I got this and this and this. And, man, if it's not just about what I do, it's about how I think. Oh, no, that's a whole other layer of stuff I got to deal with. That's why we have this wonderful, amazing, powerful gift called repentance. (laughs) Now, repentance is something we have to get the right perspective on because some people see repentance as like, I got to crawl up to the altar and they got to sprinkle rock salt on the ground so that it hurts a little bit. And, you know, then the pastor has to hit me with something. And then, you know, then I got to confess all my worst things in front of everybody. And they have to, you know, look shamefully at me and put the red letter on my shirt, you know, all that wonderful stuff. You know, that's, that's not what repentance is. The word repentance simply means ch- changing your mind. Changing your mind. realizing that God has a better idea about something than you have. I got to tell you, this is something that requires trust. It requires trust in him. You know, I, with my personality, this, this might sound a little bit strange to you, but just stick with me for a second. With my, with my personality, I, I, I'm not motivated by, like if someone says, well, you should do it this way. Why? Because that's the right way to do it. I'm like, why is that the right way to do it? You know, I'm not this person who's like, like, like no, please stick with me. But <laughs> even if the Bible says, don't do it this way, I'm not like, well, it's just the right way because it says that way. <laughs> I'm like, well, what's the reason? Why? Now, the difference, I, I'm more motivated. <laughs> yeah, some, one person's brave enough to agree with me. <laughs> Everyone else is ready to drag me out of the church right now. <laughs> Hear, hear me out. I, I was, so I, through junior high and high school, I was a pretty much a good church kid. I didn't, never, I've never done a drug in my life. I never, never got drunk. I never had sex before I got married. And I, um, I'm not bragging or anything. It's, well, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting to a point. I, we have to trudge through this. I'm sorry. But, um, and I have, since I was a kid, had this perspective, like, don't have sex before we're married. Like, why? Now, because of the relationship I had with my parents, I said, I don't understand why, but I'm going to do this because I love this relationship and want to protect this relationship. Turned out that that led me to why. When I was 14 years old, I grew up in the church. I grew up as a missionary kid and a pastor's kid. And when I was 14 years old, I said, I need to decide to want this for myself. And so I took every belief that I ever had and I set it on the table, every single one. Now you may be thinking, wait a minute, you've been seeing angels since you were a kid. I was like, maybe I'm a paranoid schizophrenic, it's fine. Put that right there. (laughs) It's just 
the way my process worked, I'm like, I need, I need to, to, to take a look at this and decide if I want this. <laughs> Set everything on the table. And I said, I have, to, I have to decide to pick this back up. Because, and, and as I was going through that season, it wasn't like a perfect season. It, there, was, there were challenges, but I realized, and then one of the issues I was looking at, I was looking at all these requirements of like, oh, don't have sex before you're married. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm like, ah, what's the point of all this stuff? And I thought about why I hadn't done any of that up to that point, and that was when I realized, like, oh, I did it because I didn't want to hurt my parents. Because honestly, I didn't really care that much whether it was right or not but I cared about this relationship. And it's so funny because in that entire process of me setting my beliefs down, all I did was talk to the Holy Spirit about my beliefs because it's the only way I knew how to do anything, which I know might be funny for some of you, but it's just how it worked. And, <laughs> and I realized in that moment, like, oh, I care about this relationship. And I don't get why I'm not supposed to do this, no, not supposed to do that, but I want to protect this relationship and you know what? As soon as I started to do that, every single subject that I thought about, he would start to give me an answer as to why. And the answer was way better than I expected. And honestly, like, it's not just like, oh, this isn't just... And I started to realize, like, oh, this isn't just like an arbitrary set of rules. This is what a beautiful life looks like. This is what a full life looks like. This is what a healthy life looks like. And that's, that's why God hates sin as well. Even if you take the relationship with him out of the equation, that's kind of the main part of the equation, but even if you took that out, this is, would be a better life. This would be a happier life. This would be a more full life. But I wouldn't have been able to see that unless I trusted him first and made it about relationship first. This is a really big subject for me because I see so you, you, what I mentioned, like I said earlier in worship, that is maybe 1% of what was going on today. Something unique, a unique form of worship was happening with every single human being in this room. A unique form of worship was happening every moment of the entire song corporately with this entire place. A unique experience, breakthrough, conversation was happening with every single person in this room. And this, this, this is a really rough approximation, but all of us were probably receiving maybe 20 to 25% of what was there. Now, that might sound bad. I go to places and maybe 2% is getting received, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Every single place I've ever been on this planet has more goodness, more of God's goodness, more of God's kindness than is being picked up. I went to the city where the Satanic Bible was written. I went to the house that it was written, and I saw God's goodness waiting there for someone to pick it up. I went to, I've been to mosques. I've been to every, I've been to uh, the witchcrafty bookstores. I've been uh, to Venice Beach in California. That's like all those things put together. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty accurate description, actually. <laughs> And yeah, there's a lot of not good stuff that I'm, that I'm not okay with, but there was more good. Everywhere, everyone I've ever met, where I've ever been, there's been more good. You know, I think if, if the enemy has one job, I think the one way that he's figured out how to do his job best to steal, kill, and destroy a job is to give us anything else to think about other than his goodness. Anything else to focus on except his goodness. I don't think he really cares what it is. As long as it's not the good things that God has for us, he will gladly create a scenario where you can focus on those things. And this, this as silly as it may seem to, to our perspective, this, this sin thing, even in my mind, is a very small part of that picture. However, it is one of the areas that we are in control over. And I think that's why God made such a big deal about it, is that it's an area that we are in control over. It's an area 
where we can choose to say, hey, God, I repent. I realize this is not a good way of thinking. Now, some of you, you may have done stuff that, that, that would be considered sins. You're like, oh, it turned out fine, you know, or it turned out this. You were not made for fine. <laughs> you were not made for fine. <laughs> you were not made for it worked out okay. <laughs> you were made for glory. You were made for, for a, a glorious release of his abundance, of his pleasure, of his joy, of his wisdom, all of those things. You, every single one of you was made to be a vessel to hold that. And I don't care how small it is. Any crack that lets any of that out is too much. Now, here's the beautiful part is we have this gift of repentance, which means that right now anyone can turn and say, God, change my mind. Help me change my mind. And he can restore every single bit of that vessel. That's what the cross was about, is that he could completely restore the standard 100%. And you could become a perfect vessel for carrying his glory and carrying his goodness. And, you know, that's, we can get into that, and we have negative amount of time to do that. Um, but we can, we, can, we can get into how what we, if, if the enemy can't get you to do bad things, then he'll get you to believe bad things about yourself so that you think that you're an inadequate vessel. And like I said, this, this goes layers and layers. But I, I want to start here because it's a place that we're in control of. And so I, I want everyone to stand up real quick. I'm going to tell you one more depressing story before we, before we get going. Um, I was in Texas, and I was meeting with this lady. She was the leader of a ministry there. And she's talk, telling me the story about how, you know, she, really, she was really into prophetic art, and she, you know, really believed in this stuff. And she, you know, she invited me out there, so obviously she liked crazy stuff. And, um, and she, you know, she was really out going after the prophetic, the supernatural, healing, all of these things. And... Um, her husband wasn't into that stuff. He was a cessationist, didn't believe the gifts were meant for today, didn't, you know, just thought all this stuff was wrong. And she was going into how upset that was and how held back she was and how she couldn't, you know, be who she was and all that. And the whole time I'm seeing all of these teeny tiny scratches all across her face on the side of her head, hundreds and hundreds of them. I watched a couple more appear as we were talking. And I saw these old bandages wrapped around it, not even right. Like it, there was like big gaps in between. And as she was telling me about how, honestly, how bitter she was at her, at her husband, she didn't know that, but that's what she was doing. I saw her angel with a bowl full of healing oil with a cloth, and it was dipping the cloth into the oil and reaching towards her face, and it would reach, but as soon as it'd get within an inch or two, they would just be pressed back by some force. But again, she would push and try and push, and then finally her angel started crying. And she looked at me and said, why won't she let me help heal her? Even in that situation where the woman, you know, probably had a a certain kind of right to be upset at her husband. It didn't matter that she was right to feel that way. It mattered that she was letting bitterness prevent her from receiving what God was giving her, which is so ironic and sad because that's exactly what she was going after. You know what I'm saying? We have to let God change our mind. There's a simple little test you can do if you have an unhealthy mind, like um, if you're looking for an unhealthy mindset, is it's a, it's a hard question, but it's a simple one. Is this what perfect love looks like? Is this what perfect love looks like? Because if it's any less, it's not God. And if you're not sure, that's a good place to start a conversation with the Holy Spirit. So re reach out your hands in front of you if you would. Lord, we thank you so much that you sent your son to die to cover every single sin we have ever committed and would ever commit. That you sent your son so that we may inherit the mind of Christ, so that we could have a renewed mind, a renewed perspective, a renewed, a renewed look at life. And right now, I just, I just break 
the power of sin over every single person over the, that is here, Lord. That any any belief system, any belief system that said this is just okay or this is just fine or this isn't that big of a deal, that we would lose those mindsets because we are built to be a big deal. We are built to be a big deal. Oh, and I, I break that lie, that modern lie that says, well, it's, it's only messing with me or it's only affecting me. Ooh, if something's affecting you, it's affecting your friends, it's affecting the people you love, it's affecting the people that you care about. Do not, do not believe that lie. If you can just handle it, if you're going to do that, that is, that is a lie. You know, there's this modern, like, live and let live perspective of, like, oh, it's not hurting anybody. If it's hurting you, it's hurting people. If only because you are meant to shine. If only because you're meant to live gloriously. And I release that vision into every single person here right now that we would not look at this as like, oh, I'm bad or, oh, I have to fix this. But no, there is an opportunity for glory. There's an opportunity for affection. There is an opportunity for such good in every single moment and every single day of my life. And I release that revelation into this place that we would be led to repentance by his kindness, by his goodness, and by his glory. I release the courage and the strength and the perspective to see in new ways. And I release the humility to tell the Holy Spirit when we don't know how to change our mind, when we don't know how to change our perspective. It's impossible to do it without him. So don't worry. (laughs) I release a brand new grace to experience him more fully to see our lives in a, in a more clear perspective and to, <sighs> this is a strange prayer, but I, this is what I feel like. I, I release the grace to hate anything that separates us from him and to embrace the things that bring us close to him. In Jesus' name, that we would not be stuck in the middle. We would not be that we would not be worldly or carnal in our thinking, that we would not live in this perspective of just getting what we can while we can, of just doing what feels good right now, but that we would be drawn into a greater experience and a greater glory, that we would not be satisfied by anything less than the goodness of God itself. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.